Let's all please turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, <clears throat> pardon me, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21-22. As you're looking up 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21-22, I'm going to say, we need to be careful, and of course, wear a mask while we're walking around, not while you're sitting, of course, but just be careful because of so many folks, we don't want anyone to get ill. Uh, the situation is going on as uh, Bruce is going through right now. I'm only saying this because I care about everybody. I'm still suffering from a little bit of a cold myself from last week. I'm so sorry that I had to miss last week, but I'm very appreciative of Brother David filling in for me. So if we could please stand. Once you find 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 21 through 22, if you could please stand to honor the reading of God's word. It only take a second, really. But it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Verse 21 through 22. For since death came by man, by man came also the resurrection of the death. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all men be made alive. God bless and honor the ring of his word, and you may be seated. Satan oppresses us. He oppresses us by lust. In other words, by flesh. He oppresses us by lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and by the pride of life. These are the things that Satan oppresses us by. He oppresses us by these things. These are the things that we are tempted by and that we have all the time. So Satan oppresses us by these things, by lust, which is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The title of today's sermon is Adam's Family. I know, I know, the moment you hear the title, Adam's Family, you have a song going through your head. But here's the thing. We'll get to that in a moment. We'll get to that in a moment. There are several Adams that we know of in our lives. I won't even get into people like Adam West, who's one of my all-time favorites, my, my original Batman as a child. We won't even get into all those types of people. I'm sure you know Adam Sandler's and Adam this and Adam that. But there's the original Adam who we know as the one that God created. And Adam was created perfectly. Absolutely perfectly Adam was created. He was created with no sin. Without sin, Adam was created. It's very important to know this, that there was no sin in Adam at all when he was created. And it's important to know this because I hear it continuously. People say, why did God create people the way they are? I hear it all the time. I hear it on TV. I hear it with comedians. I hear it on TV shows. I hear people, even in Christian worlds, people say, in you know, Christian terms, I mean, people say, why did God create us the way we are and then expect us to be perfect? Well, folks, God did not create us the way we are. He didn't. But let's not blame God for what we are. Let's not blame God for how humankind is. God made humankind, I'm talking about Adam now, and Eve, but God, you know, I'm talking about the humankind here, Adam. We'll go with the first Adam, the very first Adam. First Adam was made perfect, absolutely perfect. Pardon me for having to sit. He made Adam perfect, absolutely perfect. Let's read Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God, write it down if you don't have time to look it up. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. 
Think about that. God gave him breath. He gave him breath and gave, made him a living being. He was created perfectly from the Lord God. God makes everything perfect. Well, pastor, if God makes everything perfect, why isn't everything perfect now? We'll get to that. Don't worry. We'll get to that. I know you're curious. Most of you already know. But we'll get to that. I'm sure there's folks at home who don't exactly know. Well, we'll get to it. People all the time are asking. Well, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 through 7, we know what happened. Adam and Eve sinned. We know. They sinned. They ate the forbidden fruit. Oh, we're not going to call it an apple. We're not going to call it whatever fruit people come up with. I hear people come up with fruits all the time. It might have been a blah, blah, blah. We don't know what it was, and we're not going to guesstimate. Estimate and guess, put it together. We're not going to do that. People do it all the time. Well, I think it was. It doesn't matter what it was. It might have been a fruit never made before. It doesn't matter. Point is, is they weren't supposed to eat it, and they did. And the fact is, because they did, they were blatantly disobedient to God. And they were perfect. People said, well, it's not their fault. It was their fault. They were perfect, 100% perfect. Adam and Eve both sinned. God said, no, they were perfect, 100% perfect. They were tempted and they sinned. And if you had been in their place, you would have done it too because unfortunately they were curious and they did it. They didn't have to, but they did it. And so they blatantly sinned and blatantly were disobedient to God. That was when the saddest thing in the world ever happened. When mankind decided, I know what God told me to do, but I'm not going to do it. I know God told me not to. By the way, they were perfect, so we can't really relate. We can't relate. When people say, well, I don't know if we'd been, we were not in their place. You've never been perfect. I know that's hard for us to imagine because sometimes we look at ourselves and think we're perfect. Well, we're not. I know we're arguing with ourselves. We're not. And I know it's hard to look at me and think I'm not perfect, but I'm not. <laughs> the fact is, none of us have ever been perfect and we never will be, uh, at least on this earth. But the fact is, they were. And yet, and yet, even in their perfection, they gave in to temptation. Now that we can relate to, giving in to temptation. And they gave in to the temptation, and they ate of the forbidden fruit of sin. They gave in to that, and they ate it. And so, this is what happened. They ate it, and that family tree, which we're all a part of, by the way. We're all a part of it. Oh, I know. Children are taught weird, stupid things, and I'll say it's stupid because it is. They're taught stupid things of evolution and all these things. They are, we're all part of the family tree. We're all a part of the family tree. But wait a minute, what about the different races? What about the different skin colors? None of that matters. We all came from one. We all have different melanin. We all, our skin all came from one, and they have the ability when we all come from one and the different types of, of uh, uh, skin tones and all that. It, we all came from one. We are all family. We're all family members. In fact, you can see up until the time of Abraham, even brothers and sisters could have married. Oh, ooh, I know it sounds ooh to us because we're not used to it, but back then it was okay until God said nay. It was okay till he said nay for a family and brothers and sisters to marry. And then God said no, and it all changed then. But that's how it happened. Well, it doesn't make sense to me because you're not God. But if you study and you understand, it makes complete sense. Isn't that right, Pastor? It makes sense. Absolutely. We all started. So the whites are not better than blacks. Blacks are not better than Hispanic. Hispanic are not better than anybody. We're all okay and we're all equal together because we are all one kind. We are all of one race. We're all of the human race. 
We're all started in the same place we came from God when he created mankind. So there's no reason for anyone to think we're better than anyone else because we're not for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. We are not better than anyone else. None of us are. And we'll get to that. We all came from the same family tree. We're all sinful. A curse came upon humanity and sin entered the world. And death came upon us all. And it's sad. But not completely. It's sad because sin destroyed what God created. It's sad because Satan put his fingerprint on something. Satan put his fingerprint on something that God created to make perfect. But God knew what's going to happen. God knew what's going to happen. And you can even see it in the third chapter of Genesis. And I won't read all that right now. But it says our, our, our creation. He talks about what our creation was. was. We're talking about the Trinity here when people say there was no Trinity. Come on now. Read between the lines. It was there. Jesus was there. He had already planned. He already planned on bringing a son. When he talks about putting a skin, the skin, we, we call it a lamb. We don't know if it was a lamb, but we assume it was a lamb because of the symbolic gesture of what was going to happen when the perfect lamb, Jesus Christ, was going to come and cover us all with his blood. We know, we know what's going to happen, don't we? Amen? Amen. Whenever they put the flesh upon Adam and Eve to cover up their body, we know the symbolic gesture because we have to be covered with the blood and with, yes, the skin of Jesus in the sense, I'm talking symbolically now, when Jesus died on the cross for us all. We know. We know. So the first Adam was Adam himself. We know that. We see that the, the family tree, the human and humanity, because of humanity, sin entered the world and death came upon us all. But God, we know, made us all perfect. So when these questions come upon us, and you're going to hear it, by the way, if you haven't heard it already, which I'm sure you have, if you haven't heard it already, you will, then why did God make us this way? Well, we know he didn't. Why did God bring sin into the world? He didn't. We know he didn't. You're going to hear it. Why, why, why? You know why. He didn't. It wasn't him. It was a devil tempting, and they gave into it. It wasn't God, God who did it, but God gave an answer to what happened. God gave us all the ability to say yes and no. He gave us what? Free will. That's why. Free will. Well, if God really loved us, he wouldn't give us free will. No, that's okay. It's a tambourine. It's in agreement with me. But anyway, so God gave us free will. He gave us free will. Because he loved us so much. He didn't want us to be slaves. He didn't want us to be puppets. He gave us free will. And so therefore, we have the ability to say yes or no. That's why. But let's read what it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. And we know this because we've talked about it already. It's very important. Very important. We know that we have all sinned. We talked about it before. But it's important to have this. And I keep it with me. I keep it with me like a loaded weapon. It's important to have these these uh, scriptures as a loaded weapon when Satan attacks. To have certain scriptures, and I gotta admit, I have a hard time memorizing. Well, you can see I've been my memory is a little hard, but there are some scriptures I have to have with me, like a loaded weapon when the devil comes, when the enemy comes. Have loaded weapons prepared for for protection, because you need to have protection. We're taught whether it be a gun, whether it be the sword, whether it be the shield, you need to have protection from the enemy. And when people have questions, have these prepared. Here we go, Romans three ten through twelve. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is no one who seeks after God. 
They have all turned aside. Together they have become worthless. There is no one who does good, no, not one. And why? Because of sin they entered the world. But God knew this was going to happen. God knew this was going to happen. So what did he do? He knew that because of the first Adam that was going to destroy all of humanity, and we all through the family line, and I'm talking about through the family line because of Adam, there would become events. So we know there was going to be Cain and Abel. We know what happened with them. One brother killed the other. We know that. And through that, there would become Seth. And through Seth, there would become others. Well, later on, we'd have Noah would come. Through Noah, later on, we'd get Moses and all these other people. Eventually, that would lead to, and we're, I could go through the whole family line. I won't do it right now. But we could go all the way down, leading through David, leading through Samson, leading eventually to Mary and also Joseph on the other side being the stepdad. But eventually lead to the second Adam and the second Adam to help us being the lamb that I mentioned a while ago. The second Adam was Jesus, the son of God, call him whatever you want to, Yeshua, call him whatever you want to. Jesus is the second and the most important Adam. He had to send the second Adam to take care of, to erase what the first Adam did. Amen? Now, he can't erase what the first Adam did in the sense that humanity is already messed up because of what the first Adam did. But he can erase it in the sense that your soul can be taken care of. He can take it and erase all the sins in the sense that whenever you stand in front of the Lord God, he can say, oh, look at all the sins you did. Oh, wait, I don't see that in the book. I see that you're taken care of because you've done what? As Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. We'll get to that in a second. There's a second Adam, a.k.a. also known as the last Adam. The second Adam known as the last Adam, which is Jesus, who was and is and always will be perfect without sin. This is the second Adam, the last Adam, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, your Lord and Savior, if you've asked him in your heart, and I know you have, most of you. Asked him in your heart as your personal and savior. And this is why he came to save us, to take care of what the first Adam messed up. Amen? I'm excited when I think of the second Adam, because if it was just a story of the first Adam, it would be a sad day to be sitting here talking about the first Adam. <laughs> but I'm not. Because with the first Adam, we have the second Adam. This is why we talk about the Adam family. Because what we have here is a failure to communicate. No, what we have here is the fact that we have two Adams. Let's talk a bit about the first Adam again. You see, every time I think of the Adams family, when I think of the Adams family, I do hear because of sin that entered into the world, our family's messed up. We have a messed up family. Now, folks, let's be honest. When we think about our own personal family, most of the time we say, we got a messed up family. Most people say that when they think of their family. I know I do. And why? I love my family. I didn't mean that as offense. I didn't mean that as offense, Rob, or, or whoever. The fact of the matter is, is we all think that because we know our family, don't we? But the fact is that humankind, humanity is messed up, isn't it? You turn on the news, you say, boy, look at my family. And you say, I don't want to claim them. I know you don't. The fact is, is we're all family and we're all messed up. You know why? We're creepy and we're spooky. Well, all of us. And we're Adam's family. Da -da -da -da. Do it with me. Da -da -da -da. You know what it is? We're Adam's family. Our house may not be a museum, and I know no one wants to come over and look, but the thing is, is we're all Adam's family. It is true. But the second Adam came to take care of what the first Adam did. And we are all Adam's family, but the second Adam came to take care of and clean up what the first Adam did. And he can help Adam's family. Praise God. Praise God. You see, as we see in Colossians 1.15, he, being Christ, he is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn of every creature. Remember that. And by the way, 
You say, but he didn't go through what Adam went through. Well, first of all, yes, he was born perfect. We know that. Perfect, and by the way, so was Adam. Adam was created perfect. He may not have been born, but he was created perfect, just like Adam. But listen to this. Satan tempted Christ. Just like you're tempted. Difference is he's perfect. But he was tempted just like you. He was tempted with lust. Lust of the what? Lust of the flesh. Just like I mentioned earlier. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So let's go through that. Lust of the flesh. Now, in his case, it was the food. You remember what he said? He said, you're hungry, aren't you? You've been out here 40 days, Satan did. He said, you've been out here 40 days. Aren't, haven't you been, Jesus? You want to eat. Now, folks, you're looking at a pastor who's not necessarily got the body of a thin man. And I'm just, you know, I'm simply saying, I've been tempted by lust of the food. And uh, I've eaten more than one Happy Meal in my life. I'm simply saying. The point is, is that we've all been tempted by whatever that lust might be of the flesh. And we've all been tempted of the eyes, whatever that pretty thing might be, whether it be money, whether it be jewelry. I don't know if you can tell I don't have all the jewelry, but whatever the pretty things might be, catches our eyes, temptation, whatever it is that catches your attention. We all have it, all of us. We all have the flesh, we all have the eyes that we, catches us, and the pride of life, all of us. With what Satan did to Jesus, he tempted him with the flesh of the food, the eyes, the pretty things. I can give you all this. And then the pride of life. He wanted things that he could be arrogant of. I, oh, all these things. Look up here. I'll take you up here. Look up here. Look up here. He wanted to take him to the very top, and I'll show you all these things that you could be. I can give you all this. By the way, what could he give Christ that he didn't already have, that he could already have? He's the Lord God. But he tried to tempt you, and, or tempt Christ, and all the things he tempts you. The point is, is that people say, Jesus doesn't know what it's like. Yes, he does. He knows everything you've been tempted in, and he has been tempted. He's been tempted in the same things. He's been tempted in the flesh. He's been tempted with those eyes. He's been tempted with the pride of life. You cannot go through any temptation that Jesus hasn't already been tempted in. He understands. He understands completely. Completely. He knows of these things because just like Adam himself, he's been tempted. He was tempted of that fruit. Oh, yes. He was tempted. Of, look how pretty it is. Oh, you, you know. God, you can have the knowledge of all these things. He's been tempted of all this. He knows. But he said, oh, no, no, no. Get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me. We can do the same because we're not alone. We have Jesus within us. John 6, 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Talking about himself. Believe in Jesus Christ. Have Jesus within you. John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Believe in the Lord God. He will take care of the hunger of the Spirit. Believe in him. John 6, 57, as the living Father sent me, Jesus said, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me also will live because of me. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be okay. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I, and we're talking about when you're speaking to the woman at the well, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Look, all things have become new. 
Yes, it's true that we have the old temptations of the flesh, but you are a new creature. You're not alone. You don't have to give in to it. You may hunger for some of those things because of the flesh. Say no to the flesh. You don't have to give in to it. You don't have to. I know the temptation comes. We could say, no, sir, not going to do it. Not going to do it. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ because greater, I say so often, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in me than he who is of the world. <laughs> We're not going there. You, you, Christian, you, people who are human, you, everyone, we're part of the Adams family. But because we who are saved in the blood of Jesus Christ, I don't know about you. I try to show my relation closer to the second Adam more than the first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With that, I'm going to turn now to 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15, 35 through 50. And I got to tell you, I got to complain just a little bit. I'd like to talk with Paul. Say, Paul, do you know how hard it is to read some of your scripture in, uh, to my people? Because it's hard to find a starting point because you're in the mid-sentence on half your scripture. I love you, but you're in mid-sentence. And so I have to read a lot more than I'd like to, <laughs> to the folk, <laughs> but I will. So, Reading verse 35 to 50. 1 Corinthians 15, 35 to 50. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up? With what body do they come? You fool. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. When you sow, you do not sow the body that shall be, but a bare kernel perhaps of wheat or some other grain. When God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body, all flesh is not the same flesh. There is not one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fish and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. The glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. One star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption and it raised in incorruption. Excuse me. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised in spiritual body. There is natural body and there is spiritual body. So it's showing the difference here between natural and spiritual. We can understand that. It's showing the difference between the two. So it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, I'm talking about the second Adam of Jesus, the last Adam was made a life-giving spirit. However, that which is spiritual is not first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man was the Lord from heaven, as was the man of dust. So are those who are of dust. And as the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. As we have been have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Now this I say, brothers, this is verse 50 now, now this I say, brothers, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, 
nor does corruption inherit incorruption. This is saying there's a difference between the flesh and the spirit. Those who are flesh and do not have Jesus in the spirit will not go to heaven. No, so many people, I just spoke to someone even recently, who believe just because you're born and God for man are going to go to heaven. That's not how it works. You have to be born again of Jesus Christ in order to go to heaven. We as Christians know this. Just because God made us, I'm talking about Adam, the first Adam, just because God made humankind doesn't mean we're all going to go to heaven. I wish that were the case. But God gave us a way to get to heaven. All you have to do is say, Jesus Christ, I believe that you are the Son of God and I want to be born again. Look, there's no magic words. It's not the words that come from your mouth. It's the words that come from the heart. It's not the words that come from your mouth. It's not some magic spell. No, it's not a magic spell. God knows the heart. So often people say, well, I hope this man knew Jesus. I do too. I hope this woman knew Jesus. I do too. Well, I know them. I know they're not in heaven. No, you don't. What you know is what they showed. However, in that last moment, pray. In that last moment when they still have breath, maybe in their mind, they call out. They call out to say, Lord, I believe that you're the only way into heaven. Save me. Maybe all they'll know is the word save me. But if they believe it in their heart, with all their heart and soul, that's all it takes. It's not a magic word. Not of the flesh, not of words, not of language, but of heart. And that's what we need. Remember that. But they lived badly. So did I, even at the age of seven. I said bad things. I, even as a Christian, there's times I've made mistakes. I've thought bad things. I'm ashamed to say. But even you, I, I know we don't want to admit that. But even us, we've made mistakes stubbed her toe, and that wasn't the Holy Spirit speaking. We know that, and I'm talking in the mind. The fact is, we need to simply pray for those who we wonder about. Pray for them, just pray for them, pray for them. We are all of Adam's family. I'm now gonna turn to Romans, Romans chapter five, and we're gonna read Verses 12 through 17. And I know it's a lot, and I apologize. Romans 12, excuse me, Romans 5, 12 through 17. Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death has spread to all men, because all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not counted when there is no law, nevertheless, death resigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of Adam's sin, who was a type of him, uh, a type of him, I'm not Jesus here, who was to come, but the free gift is not like the trespass. Not like the through excuse me for if I'm going to say this again, but the tree, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if through the trespass of one man many died, then how much more has the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ abounded to many? The gift is not like the result that came through the one who sinned. I'm about Adam. For the judgment from the one sin 
led to condemnation, but the free gift, which came after many trespasses, leads to justification. Verse 17 is last year. For if by one man's trespass death reigned through him, then how much more will those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? We are saved by grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I know personally I deserve to go to hell. I do. Take this not wrong. You do too. We all do. But thank you, Lord Jesus, I won't. I'm so thankful for that. We're just like first Adam, or at least we were. But thank God that second Adam saw me, grabbed me up, saved me, hugs me, holds me. And on those days, even when I feel so horribly and bad, that second Adam holds me tight and says, it's okay, son. I love you. He does the same for you, except he might call you daughter. But he loves you, and he holds you tight. And you know when the devil comes and he will, and he tempts you. And other times he tempts you to feel bad about yourself, and he will, and he does. And he wants to tell you you're nothing. You remind him you're something. You're saved by the second Adam. You're the second Adams, and you don't have to listen anymore to the devil. Don't listen. You belong to the second Adam. You are part of the second Adam's family. You are. You are. Philippians 3, 20-21. But our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. For where also we await for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21 of Philippians 3. Who will transform our body of humiliation so that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working of his power, even to subdue all things to himself. Praise the Lord God. And as I said, we were part of Adam's family. Earlier on, I told us that we're creepy and we're spooky, at least we wore. We wore. But now, when Christ then came to save us, because sin did enslave us, our faith and grace would save us because the second Adam's family, and we are. We're part of the second Adam's family. Amen? We're no longer part of the first Adam's family, creepy and spooky. We are now part of the second Adam's family because we're saved by the grace of the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't have to feel creepy and spooky. Oh, I know. I look in the mirror and I say, you're creepy and you're spooky, but you're saved by grace, you creepy, spooky man. I'm saved by grace. This sin doesn't enslave me anymore. And I no longer look like Cousin It. That's for certain. I am saved. I am saved by the grace of the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I look more like a Uncle Fester. Ain't that right, Freddie? <laughs> Hallelujah. We are a part of Adam's family. Let the second Adam, that last Adam, live and be seen in you and in I. Let the whole world see it, not because great we are, but greater is he who is in us. Hallelujah. As it says in Hebrews 12, 2, let us look to Jesus. Let us look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And one last time, I'm going to read to you 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 22. And remember this. It's so very true. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, 
For since death came by man, talking about Adam, for since death came by man, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all men, excuse me, shall all be made alive. Continue to pray for those who are lost. By the way, sometimes all of us look at our family members, and I'm talking about all humankind, all the others, first Adam's family, and we get frustrated. They say blasphemy. They say things, they do things. We get frustrated. You're not alone. We all do. We all do, if we're honest. We get frustrated. We say things like, they should know better. Remember, they're still your family in the sense that we were once that way ourselves. Pray for them. Pray that they will be part of the second Adam's family too. We don't want them to hurt. We don't want them to suffer. We certainly don't want them to have eternal suffering and damnation. Pray for them continuously every day. When people treat us bad, I know I want it sometimes. I want to say things, and I've had it before, unfortunately. Try to treat them the way you want to be treated. It's hard to do. That doesn't mean be a punching bag. But it does mean try to treat them with the love of Jesus. It's so important. Let them see Christ in you. Let them see the second Adam in you. It's so vitally important. Let them try to come to that second Adam's family. Let them see it. Let them feel it. Let them know they're loved. Let us reach out. Bring them in. Bring them to the fold. Not us, but Christ in us. Let's try so hard. And it's difficult. You know what I have to do sometimes? I have to try to put a muzzle on me. I do. I say, Holy Spirit, muzzle me. And then I start to say something later on, and the Holy Spirit starts, like, mm-hmm. and I say, oh, you're right, you're right. You muzzle me. Thank you, Lord, for shutting my mouth. And uh, I really appreciate it. Let's remember that as we go to the Lord today. If the Lord is calling out to you, listen. If he's calling out to you to come forward today, for whatever reason, let's listen to him. If he's calling out to you at home, to pray and put him first. Listen to him. If he's calling out to you to be a more active member of the family of the Lord, the second Adam, listen to him. It's for a reason. It's not to shrug off. It's not to shrug off. It's to put on, to apply, to walk. If he's calling you to come forward, don't ignore it. There's a reason for it. If he's calling you to pray to him, to rededicate yourself, don't ignore it. There's a reason. We could easily ignore, but you never improve that way. Listen. Don't ignore. There's a difference between hearing and listening. So let's pray now and do what God tells us to do. Dear precious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. We thank you, Second Adam for salvation. We thank you for looking past what we deserve and giving us what we need. We thank you, Lord God, for all the people here today. I pray, Lord God, that you strengthen them, be with them, lead them, guide them, walk with them, Lord God, talk with them, use them in the ways of your will. I pray, Lord, that there'll be more people coming to the church on both sides. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that you will strengthen 
every single person, Lord, throughout our family, through the second Adam's family and through the first two, that they will come and join the second Adam's. I pray this in your holy name, Lord. I pray that there be anyone here today who needs prayer, that they'll come forward. Lord, for the families who've recently lost loved ones, I pray for them. For those right now, Lord, who are weak in their walk with you, I pray this day that will change, that they'll be strengthened in their walk with you. I pray if there be any doubts, any doubts, Lord, of salvation, that that doubt will go away today. I pray this in your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen.